the book of Galatians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew there. Uh, the second half there, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians. We're in chapter 3. And uh, my uh, intention is to cover the first nine verses here. We saw a couple weeks ago, uh, chapter 2, verses 20. We looked at chapter 2, 16 through 20, 15 through 21 there. And Paul writes in chapter 2, verse 20, For I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. And really what we're going to see here in verses 1 through 5, but from 1 through 9 today, is really the application, the implication on Paul's life for what we read in Galatians 2.20. What does it mean to have been crucified with Christ? What does it mean to no longer live? What does it mean to, to die to self but live to, to God, that Christ lives in Him? Paul says in chapter 3, verse 1, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. And we saw, again, as we, as we saw last week, we never, ever, ever as believers progress beyond the gospel. Everything about our lives goes back to the gospel through which we as believers, those of us who are believing in the death, burial, and resurrection alone for our salvation, for Jesus' blood, alone for our righteousness, we never progress beyond the gospel. And there is a very real, if we're honest, there is a very real tendency, there is a very real pull in all of our lives to get saved and to gradually kind of drift away from the gospel. Not in the sense that you lose your salvation, it's just in the sense that the gospel is not your focus for everything in your life. And you just kind of, what I want to think about today is, you just kind of live on autopilot. After a while, you, you, you've, you've been a Christian for a long time. You, you feel like you know what you need to know. You feel like you, you, you can do what you think you need to do. And you just, you just start living the, your Christian life somewhat on autopilot. Somewhat 
just going through the motions. Somewhat doing whatever just feels right. You just do what you've done every other day. Maybe not mindful the way that we should be of the gospel. Of who you are in Christ. Of the fact that your sins have been forgiven. Of the fact that you have been adopted. That you have been taken into the family of God. That He now calls us sons and daughters. We're just not mindful of it. And as I said, verses 1 through 5 is a commentary on Galatians 2.20. This is how Christ lives through us, literally in us, and it's by faith. It's by faith in the Son of God, dead to the old self, alive to Christ. And when we finish this sermon, if there's one word I want you to be thinking about sifting your life through during this sermon, just, just holding your life up to, if you will, and we're going to ask some tough questions to kind of evaluate ourselves at the end. The one word would be this. Think about this. Am I on autopilot? Any, any area of my life that I'm just living on autopilot, that I'm doing what feels natural, what comes natural, you know, not outright grotesque sin, just going through the motions. Just showing up, doing what people expect you to do, doing what you've done every other day. Real, really no sensitivity to maybe what God may be speaking, what God may be telling you, where God may be leading you. You're just doing what you've done every other day. Comfortable. Comfortable. You, you know enough to avoid the big landmine sins, if you will, in our minds. But you couldn't honestly say that you're giving every moment over to the glory of God, that, you've, that you're living by faith. That, that you're living by faith based on the promises and the Word of God, specific promises in the Word of God, specific ways that God has revealed Himself, and based on His character, you're living based on that character that has been revealed. It's the contrast of, of faith versus human wisdom. It's the contrast of, of really just what comes, that, that flesh that's still in us versus the Spirit. Which one's dominating? Which one are we yielding to? Every moment of every day, are we relying on the Spirit of God? And that's really where Paul gets to here. And you see in your handout there the main point is this, we, we have seen and we will see that we are justified by faith. We are justified by faith alone. We are made right with God by faith alone. It is Jesus plus nothing. But, but what Paul gets to is this, not only are we saved, not only are we justified by faith, we're sanctified through faith. We grow in the Christian walk. We grow as Christians. We mature as Christians through faith. Through faith in that same gospel that saved us. Through living out that same gospel that saved us. By living not to self, but to God's glory. We're sanctified. We need the Spirit. We rely on the Holy Spirit. God gave us the Holy Spirit for a reason. In John 14, He says, I will send you another helper. That word another is the same kind. God says, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm going to literally, in the same way that I walked with you, when I leave, I'm going to give you the Spirit, and He's going to walk with you. 
John 14, 26, he's going to teach you all things. He's going to bring remembrance everything that I said to you. Now, specifically, that's, that's specifically speaking to how we can trust that we have what God intended in the Word. But for you and I, he does the very same thing. The Bible says he guides, he directs, he leads, he comforts, he teaches, he convicts. All through the Spirit. All through the Spirit living in us. It's Christ living in us. And what Paul is getting at here is the fact that he's saying, you're foolish, Galatians, if you think that now that you're saved, that you go on living by something different than that which you were saved. That literally you check that box and say, okay, I'm saved by the Spirit. Just move on. He's saying, you're foolish. It's foolish. And I want to draw a couple of, a couple of, truths from our text today to build on that point to, to if anyone here if anyone here is living on autopilot is in, if anyone here is relying on earthly wisdom fleshly wisdom versus relying on god's wisdom through the spirit through prayer through the study if we've if we've just kind of gone on autopilot i, I pray today will shake us out of that i, I pray a warning light will show up on the dashboard of our own lives that'll that'll cause us to repent and to draw near to God, to trust His Spirit. The the first thing I want us to see today is this, that our entrance into the family of God is through faith in the gospel message of God. Paul reminds them that you were granted access into God's family, not based on works, but by faith. We've seen that. We spent many weeks on the the term justification, understanding what biblical justification means. Even, But what he's saying is this, even the gift of the Spirit of God in you was not by works, it was by faith. And by possessing the Spirit, you were made members of not only God's family, specifically of Abraham's family. You, we've all, how many of you have sung the song, Father Abraham had many sons? Yeah, I'll spare you from the motions. I've already humiliated myself enough this morning. But what Paul is, you know where that song comes from? That song, that song comes from this passage. Literally, we were invited, we were invited in by faith. As believers, we are Abraham's children, if you will. We're his sons by faith. Not by works, by faith. You look at Romans, we've been grafted in. Gentiles were grafted into the original vine, Israel. We've been brought in through adoption. And what he's saying is, listen, as believers, the Spirit works and brings His blessings into our lives, not by us relying on ourselves, but by faith. But by even as believers trusting in the promises of God, building our lives on the promises of God, the character of God. Not not by being saved and then just kind of reading the Bible casually as if it were not absolutely necessary. Matthew 4.4, Jesus said, Man does not live on bread alone, but how? By every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God gave us the Holy Spirit to illuminate our hearts and our minds to what is written in this word. Literally, it's like a translator. We, We never progress beyond that. 
We, we never, we don't just faith, saved by faith. He says we live by faith. There, there's never any boasting in the, in the Christian's life. Why? Because my whole life is faith. It's God in me. You look at 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, he, they're arguing over whether it's Apollos or this or that. And he says, no, no, no. The, some plants, some water. But guess what? The one who plants and the one who waters, neither are anything but Christ. But God who works in them. That we can only boast in Christ. Our lives are to be built upon Christ. Therefore, who gets the credit? Christ. Who gets the glory from our lives? Christ. And there is a form of pride that Paul is getting at here, I believe, that can be very subtle. And we think that there is wisdom in trying harder to, to produce fruit, to, to try to control everything in our lives. At, at every turn, listen to me, we want to be in control of our lives. We want to be in control. We want to, we want to know the outcomes. We, we want to know what's going to happen. There's a subtle pride that creeps into our lives that we think we're in control. And, and what that brings about is a wrong pride. It brings about a pride in self. And Paul is saying, you think you, think you get the credit for your life as a Christian? And you'll see on your handout, the danger for that is that it's a, it's a danger that every single one of us Christians face. It is to take our focus off the cross and place it on ourselves. I'm reminded of Hebrews 12, he says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. That's where our focus is. Everything that we do, everything about our lives is based on the fact of what God has done for us. Faith. And, and Satan deceives us into subtly living for ourselves rather than God of just drifting into autopilot, of failing to rely on the gospel every day for everything. And that's the issue here. Just going through life on autopilot, subtly, subtly, or maybe not so subtly, depending, relying on ourselves to guide us, taking ownership of our lives, rather than, rather than trusting God and faith in God and being open to, to what God has, of being, of being open to God interrupting our plans versus saying, look, this is the plan I have, and this is what I'm going to do, and don't you interrupt it. He's saying, not only are you saved by faith, you live by faith. And the issue, the reality, the issue behind all of this is our faith. Faith is the issue. The, the Galatians have been deceived, they're foolish. He says, you think that you begin by the faith and then you live by the flesh, that you're going to be perfected, that you're going to mature as a, as a Christian in the flesh? And at the core, they've misunderstood the gospel. They've been deceived about it. These are believers. The Christian life is a battle. Listen, the Christian life is a battle to rely on the gospel for everything. And, and I realize that we've seen this before. I realize you know, justification, we keep going back to this, going back to this. But listen to me, it's a big deal. Paul says time and time in the scriptures, it's no trouble to remind you. Why? Because these are big deals. And, and if we're tired, if we grow tired of seeing this, listen to me, as I, I, 
I, I thought about it in my own heart as just hear me, the people pleaser. I thought, man, how am I going to present this text? You know, I, I, I mean, I labored hard and hard to say it, it's almost like Paul is saying the same thing over and over. Yeah. Yeah. You know why? Because every single one of us from Galatians to today struggle right here. Understanding what it means to be justified by faith alone. Staying parked and justified by faith alone. But not only that, then living out faith alone. And, and if you're tired of hearing this, I promise you this, and this is about my own life as well, then, then you're not honest about your own life and you're not aware of Satan's subtle temptation to wander away from the gospel, to live for yourself. You're not being honest with yourself. At every turn, at every moment, there is a great temptation for me to take ownership of my life and for me to live for my glory. At every single moment, to do things for my glory. And the trouble with autopilot is that sometimes we don't even realize we're doing it. Satan is that sneaky. You look at 2 Corinthians, I think it's eleven fourteen. it says that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. To deceive, to fool. Sometimes we don't even realize what it is we're trusting in, that we're building our lives around, that, that, that we're spending our energies on. And what Paul is saying is, no, we've got to take everything back to the gospel. Who you are in Christ, how you got there, but now how do you progress? And it's through faith. It's through the Spirit in us. And the Paul, listen, Paul, the problem Paul sees with autopilot is that it robs the cross of its proper significance in our everyday lives. The cross no longer becomes significant. Why? Because you're significant. Other things are significant. And very subtly, we set it aside. And, and very subtly, the cross and the gospel becomes relegated to something that you did or that you believed in the past that its, that its usage was in the past, that it was good for something in the past, that, that, that you've now moved beyond that because you're a believer now, that the gospel is relegated to, to sort of the sidelines. All Christians, every single believer, was granted access to God through faith, not the flesh. That's what Paul is saying. The Spirit was given by faith, not according to the flesh. The Spirit came into our lives as believers by believing, not doing. And the Spirit's job is to keep our focus on Christ. It's interesting, the Spirit Himself, you look at the Gospels, did not come to glorify Himself, but what? To glorify Christ. The Spirit's job in us is to keep us tethered to Christ, to draw us back to Christ, to keep Christ the focus. The, the fact that we have the Spirit, Ephesians 1.13, proves we are sealed. The Holy Spirit are sealed. We're proven to be children of God. How? Possession of the Spirit. That's what Romans 8.9 says as well. You know that you're a child of God. Why? The Spirit is in you. That's why 2 Corinthians 13.5, Paul says, See if you test the test. Is Christ in you? Same thing. Same thing. But listen to me, the Spirit doesn't work apart from the gospel. 
You, if, you look, if you looked it up, there's over 50, over 50 blessings that the Spirit brings, comforts, guides, encourages, helps, convicts, strengthens. All of those you'll see flow through the gospel. Flow through your life through the gospel. Keeping the gospel of focus. Believing by faith. What we see is, and what Paul is saying here, is the gospel is the channel through which everything else flows in our lives. It's the channel. That's why in Ephesians 4.30 it talks about do not grieve the Spirit. In, in 1 Thessalonians 5.19 it talks about not quenching the Spirit. And, and think about it this way. Anybody ever been washing your car and, and you start to move, you know, you, everything's going great, and you, you move a little bit further down and all of a sudden your water cuts off? Because why? There's a kink in the hose? You know, you're, you're squirting, everything's great, and, and there come, becomes a kink in the hose. So guess what? The power is there. The water is still turned on. Everything you need is there, but there's a kink in the hose. You're just not receiving the flow. See, that's what Paul is saying, and in, in, in do not grieve the Spirit, do not quench the Spirit. There's a way that we can live that the power is there. We're just no longer receiving the power. We're no longer getting the blessing of the power. Why? Because of how we're living. There's a kink in the hose. You don't lose the Spirit. You don't, you don't, you're not taken away. Ephesians 1.13, we're sealed with the Spirit. But the power is no longer, we're no longer benefiting from the power. Why? Because we've kinked the hose by living on autopilot. When we live by flesh, when we, when we no longer are living by faith, when we're walking by what's comfortable, by what feels right, by what's natural, just going through the motions, listen to me, you grieve the Spirit, you quench the Spirit. The power's there, but you don't receive the power anymore. There's just a trickle. Again, you're still connected. The hose is still connected to the house. It's connected to the same div it was, but the kink is preventing me from receiving the blessing. That's what Paul is getting at here. You think you're perfected by the flesh? You think you don't need to rely on the Spirit every moment of every day? Not only is justification by faith, but sanctification is by faith. We grow by faith, not by works. There are works, but it's fueled by faith. We're going to see that in a moment. And at its core, the Bible says the issue, again, you look at John 15, the issue is abiding. He says, abide in me, for apart from me you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Apart from him, nothing. Can we get results? We can get, that's the, bat, that's the challenge. We can get results. But in a sense, they're Nothing. And the Christian life is literally Christ in us. If you looked over at Galatians 4, 6, and, and uh, you'll see where we're going eventually, but Galatians 4, 6, because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Listen to me, we have the promise that God will take care of us. And our faith demonstrates that we take Him at that promise. That, that we trust His promises to be sure, to be true. 
And our trust as believers is ultimately in God and His character, not ourselves. It's in God and His character. It's in His ability, not our ability. Ultimately, as God's children, as Christ lives in us and through us through the Spirit, people begin to see Christ in our lives. That's Galatians 4.19. He says, My children, with whom I again in labor until Christ is formed in you. That's sanctification. That less and less of Chris, more and more of Christ. That's John 3.30. He must increase, I must decrease. That's Romans 8.20. Those whom he predestined, he sanctified and he glorified. There's a process there. Sanctification is growing, growing into the likeness of which God has declared over us and ultimately as believers what he will give us in glorification. But sanctification is moving in that way. It's forming Christ in us. That's sanctification. That's what our faith does. It's putting to death the flesh and feeding the spirit so that the spirit, that's Romans 8, he says, do not, the flesh, the spirit, uh, the flesh sets its mind on the things of this world, but the spirit sets its mind on the things of Christ. There's a battle in every single one of us to rule our lives. And by the Spirit, we will put to death the deeds of the body. That's Galatians 5.16. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. These are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Do you see the battle? And the tendency is Satan can deceive us. We just go through life in the flesh. Not faith. Autopilot. Not faith. We do the things we do because that's what we've always done and it's comfortable and it's safe. Versus laying ourselves before the Lord and say, God, what, what do you want me to do? What would you have me to do? And Paul goes on to introduce Abraham here for a very good reason to prove his point. Abraham would have have been the father of the Jews. They would have held him in great esteem. And Abraham believed God. He was a man of faith. But you say faith in what? Faith in God's promises. God gave Abraham a promise. And Abraham built his entire life around that promise. Look look at verse 6. Abraham believed God and was reckoned to him as righteousness. It's interesting, and I'm I'm not trying to split hairs here. But it's interesting that it doesn't say there that Abraham believed in God. You know what it says? It says that Abraham believed God. It was a specific promises. It was a specific revelation that God made to Abraham, and Abraham believed that. He, was, he didn't make up his own God. He didn't make up a little about what God said and a little what he wanted to say. It was a specific revelation about who God is. And he believed God. He believed his character. He believed he was who he says he was. Personal trust in a person through promises. That's faith. Abraham took God at his word. That's what faith is. Faith is taking God at his word. And ultimately acting upon it. Abraham's faith was not an abstract thing. It wasn't... You know, I, I, I hear people when I'm, when I'm sharing the gospel and talking to people, they'll say, I believe in God. You know, my first question is, well, tell me about the God you believe in. Tell me about the God you believe in. 
Because there's lots of so-called gods out there. Tell me about him. Because if it's not the God of this Bible, it's not the, if it's not the God as he's revealed himself. This is, Ab- this is Hebrews uh, 1, 1 and 2. For in the past, God revealed himself to many portions and in many ways. But today, he has revealed himself through Christ. He has revealed himself specifically. We are to trust those specific revelations, the specific promises. See, biblical saving faith is more than simply believing generically in God or believing generically that God exists. It's believing that one true God exists and He revealed Himself in the Bible through Jesus Christ. There's a very big difference between just simply believing in God and believing the God of this Word and taking God at His Word and building your whole life around who He says He is. And, 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 and God's grace, you see it on your hand, that was expressed through promises. And Abraham believed God even though the evidence did not support the promise. That's faith. If you want to flip over to Hebrews 11 and put a marker there, because we're going to come back to Hebrews 11 in a minute. Listen to what Hebrews 11.1 1 says in verse 2. Now faith is the assurance. That word means title deed. Of things hoped for, the conviction of things what? Not seen. For, it, for by it the men of old gained approval. Look at verse 6. Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. See, biblical faith is not flimsy, it's not sketchy, it's not uncertain, it's sure. Why? Because the one in whom we have faith is sure. James 1 says there is no shifting of shadows with God. He is sure. It is built upon His character. He's the unchanging one. He's the omnipotent one. He's the omnipresent one who does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You can build your life and bank your life on the surety of who God is. That's faith. It's sourced in God's character. And the reality of what Paul is saying is that faith, not flesh, faith honors the one who is trusted. And when we live by the flesh, we're we're showing the world who really is the one we're trusting. I mean, think about this. Why do you let your mechanic work on your car? Some of you maybe have a mechanic. You say, that's my guy. No matter what, I'm going to that guy. Why, why, do you, why do you do that? Because you what? You trust him. And ultimately, you trust his character. You trust that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Now, it could be difficult to find him. I mean, I, I'm the one. You go to the mechanic, and you think you're getting a $1,995 oil change, and you walk out with a $200 bill, and you're like, what just happened? Like, my air filter needs to be cleaned? I didn't even know the car had an air filter. Like, the car's running fine. That's all I care about. The air? You know, we'll roll the windows down. You trust Him. You, you go there, you hand over your car. You leave your car, you leave the keys to your car. Why? Because you trust Him. You know, like on sports teams, you know, the coach calls in the play. They, they, those 11 guys on the football field, millions and millions are watching them, and they run the play that their coach calls to play, tells them to do. Why? Because they trust their coach. 
They trust that there's a bunch of guys up in the booth who see things from a different perspective than they do and know the play they ought to be running, and they run it. Faith. I thought about this. Think, think about somebody who is sick and can no longer do things for themselves. You, you know how they, and, and suppose somebody came alongside them and said, look, I'm going to be here to help you and, and to, to, to look after you. You know how you honor, you know how the sick individual honors their friend? By letting them do what they said they would do. By letting them serve them. Not by trying to say, let me try to get out of the bed, let me do it for them. No, you lay in the bed and you let your friend do it. You have faith in your friend. Why? Because you trust their character. You yield to them. Literally, when they do that, they're, they're, you're living through them. You're not serving yourself. It would be offensive for you to try to do the things that you aren't when your friend is there. It's faith. It's trusting. And faith does not, listen to me, faith in and of itself, don't go there. It's not, it's not even a work that renders us righteous before God. Faith itself is a gift. It's grace. Faith simply unites us to Christ, which plugs in, our, plugs in our air hose, our water hose, if you will, and allows the blessings to flow into our lives. Faith at its very core is receptive. It is dependent upon the work of Christ, and it centers on the cross. And when, when God's children, when, 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 when they live by faith, it honors God. Why? Because it tells the world that their God is trustworthy. 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 We show our trust by forsaking all other means of salvation and simply trusting God. But that trust is not alone. We walk by faith in the one who has promised to take care of us. And that expresses itself in obedience. And that's really where Abraham comes in. Paul is making that point and and, and you see your second on point on your handout. Our obedience is sourced in our faith in the gospel. Even in our obedience goes back to faith. You, you think, about, think about what Abraham, what, what changed about Abraham's life after he believed. He was circumcised. He left his homeland, said, hey, just follow me to where, hey, Sarah. Can you imagine if I went home and said, Karen, God's telling us to move. Her first question is other than your, you didn't hear correctly is, where are we going? I, Karen, I don't know. God just said, hey, I'll know when I get there. Can you imagine? Now, I'm not saying that to discredit Karen at all. Don't hear me saying that. I'm saying what Abraham and Sarah did was a big deal. But it was in faith. Because they trusted God. They trusted His character. They trusted His promises. I mean, not only did that, he obeyed and sacrificed the son that God, went up to sacrifice the son that God had promised, Isaac. Why? Because he trusted, okay, God, if, this, if, if I crucify this son, then you're gonna, I'm going to trust you to provide another means. I'm going to trust you because I'm going to go back to your promise, and you've said, through me, all the nations will be blessed. That requires a son. He trusted we know the story. God stopped him just short of killing the son because he saw Abraham, he knew he had Abraham's heart. But none of that, listen, none of that justified Abraham or merited God's favor. Verse 6, he believed, he simply believed God. He believed God. God gave Abraham a promise by grace, and Abraham simply trusted. 
and it was shown through his obedience. But his obedience, listen, was sourced in his faith, not his flesh. His obedience, his entire life was sourced in a promise, a promise. It was always about God and not Abraham. Abraham simply obeyed because Abraham believed and took God at his word. He was justified by faith and he obeyed by faith. And our obedience, listen to me, our obedience demonstrates our faith. It's rooted in faith. It flows from faith. It flows from what we believe about our great God, how we view Him, how we view His promises, that we're going to build our entire life on it. I mean, promises like Romans 8, He who did not spare His own Son, how will He not also with Him freely give us all things? God says, look, I'm all in. I gave you my Son, I'm all in. Promises like Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do, do we believe that? Galatians 3, 6 and 7, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, to be sure, it was those of faith who are sons of God. Listen, the scripture, verse 8, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Listen, preach the gospel to Abraham. Abraham built his entire life on the gospel that had been revealed to him at that time. He was shown a glimpse of the gospel from afar, and you know what he did? He believed God. Even then, it was rooted back in the gospel. And, and, and it's interesting. There was, no, there was nothing mentioned specifically about how to live, but rather what had been done for Abraham. And Abraham built his entire life on what God had promised he would do. And, and we, we can learn a lot from that. And, and you see it on your handout. The reason why we preach through books of the Bible, the reason why we make the Bible a big deal here is because we must understand first what has been done on our behalf. Then we will know how to live. So many of us want to rush to what to do, what to do. No, you, we need to understand what God has done. You look at the book of Romans, 11 chapters explaining what God has done, 12 through 16, response. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, in view of God's mercy, in view of what God has done for you, now you know what you ought to do. Ephesians 1 through 3, all doctrine explaining what God has done. You know what verse 4 says? Therefore, in view of that, go live. In 4.1, he says, therefore, I am I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling from which you have been called. By the way, I just took three chapters to tell you that calling. Go live. Understand. Faith. Faith is the issue. And that faith brings about disobedience. You look at Hebrews, uh, look at Hebrews 11. I, I said to, to be there and to park there. Look, look with me just a moment. We'll get an extra dose of Scripture. I, I would encourage you, I've done this in my Bible. I, some of you don't write in your Bibles, but listen, listen start in verse 3. Underline which, the, the reason for these men and women of God and what they did. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of the things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice to God than, than Cain through which he obtained a greater testimony. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. 
Verse 7, by faith Noah being warned by God and did the things. Verse 8, by faith Abraham. Verse 9, by faith he lived as an alien. Jacob, by faith, 11, chapter, verse 11, by faith even Sarah herself received ability to conceive. Go down to verse 17, by faith Abraham when he was tested offered up Isaac. Verse 20, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob. By faith, verse 21, Jacob did this. Verse 22, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention. Verse 23, by faith, Moses did this. 24, by faith, Moses. 27, by faith, he left Egypt. 28, by faith, he kept the Passover. 29, by faith, they passed through the Red Sea. Verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. Verse 31, by faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish. Why? Her faith. Interesting story there. She says, when they showed up, she says, hey, I've seen what your God has done. I've seen what he's done. She knew he was, she knew who he, by, by what he had done. She believed. But listen to this. It's interesting. You get it on to verse 33. By faith, look what they did. Conquered kingdoms, performed act of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. From weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put forming armies and foreign armies at flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their reliefs, so that they would obtain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings. Yes, chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in the desert and the mountains and caves and holes. All these having gained approval through their faith. Through their faith. We, we, can, we can hem and haw. Here's, here's where God convicted me. We can hem and haw about this, and we can make all kinds of excuses of why we do or don't do what God has called us to do. But at the end of the day, at the bottom of the list, the number one reason is faith. The issue is faith. Do we believe God? Do we take him at his word? You can go to Habakkuk 2.4. You can go to Hebrews 10. You can go to Romans 14. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Romans 4.23. Whatever is not done of faith is sin. Habakkuk 2.4. The righteous shall live by faith. Romans 1.16 and 17. The righteous shall live by faith. We live by our faith. Our faith works out in our lives. Everything about their life was rooted in the fact that they believed God, they took Him at His word, and they trusted His character. They were saved by faith, and they were sanctified by faith. They were brought into a new family, and that new family had certain values representative of their father, God Himself, His character. And listen, in Hebrews 11, I love these verses, the result. Look at the result of living by faith in Hebrews eleven thirteen. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and aliens in this earth. For those who say such things make it clear, look, they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have an opportunity to return. Listen to verse 16. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. And look at the result of faith. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Because they live by faith. 
The result was that God was not ashamed to be called their God. And, and what I want us to see is, you see it on your handout, salvation and the life that flowed from that has always been of faith. The New Testament, the Old Testament, salvation is by faith and faith alone. Old Testament believers look forward to the cross. New Testament believers, they looked at the cross. We're looking back at the cross. Everything had to do with the cross. It was about living a life that was pleasing to the one who had saved them. It was about living in line in accordance with the gospel. Listen to me in, in Romans 2.24. The Jews, they were living hypocritical lives. They were saying one thing and they were doing another. And listen to what it says in Romans 2.24. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, because of their hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Autopilot, flesh. And you see, you see application of this down to so some questions, but I, I went for a, a jog on Friday afternoon and just noodling over this text and thinking about it. And I was listening uh, as I jog, I'll listen to somebody teaching the Bible and God laid some things on my heart that I just want to throw out there real quickly. This text confronts us. I think living on autopilot, if we're honest, a lot of us live our lives with little, oftentimes little, maybe little consideration of God. Maybe we have God's word in us at, at some level. And, but as I jog, God asked me some questions, and, and I think he wants me to ask you these too. And because maybe I'm not the only one who maybe struggles sometimes with living by faith and not what's comfortable or what's easy, not on autopilot. And here's the question I want us to ponder beyond the ones that are already on your handout. What would be different about your life today if you were not a believer in Christ? You say, that's a weird question to ask, but I'm going about it a different way. Sometimes that may be the way of showing what we're really living by faith or not. Would there be much different about your life if you were not a believer today? Would, would, if Jesus Christ was proved to be a farce, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, are, we're to be most pitied, if, would people pity you? Would much about your life change? Would, would your life be a sham? Would you say, man, I've done all this stuff in vain? Based upon that answer, can we honestly say that, that, not on, that Christ is abundantly living in us and the Spirit is guiding our life, that God's Word and His promises are what, guiding, are what are guiding our lives? Think about this question. What are you doing right now that makes no sense to the world because it is totally of faith? These aren't in your notes. Again, these things, my notes, unfortunately, have to go to the printer uh, Thursday to get everything done. And uh, um, so Friday, sometimes I just have to, I, I'm still thinking about it. But what are you doing right now that makes no sense to the world because it's totally a faith, total reliance upon God? Where if somebody asked you, why are you doing that? Your only answer would be to point to a promise or a command in the word of God. Your only answer would be to point to the word of God and say, right here it is. Can you think of anything? What about your kids? You teaching them to live on faith or autopilot? You teaching them to live for the world or live by faith? 
We, we had an incident this past week with Bradley's school, and forgive me if I told you, days run together, but he was asked to read a book in this group of classmates that, quite honestly, we were not comfortable with him reading. And Karen and I talked about it, and we talked about it with Bradley, and I said, you know, we're going to go, and Bradley, we're going to go in there, and we're going to talk to your teacher, and we felt pretty confident that they would let him switch groups and read a different book, but we said, Bradley, here's the deal. If for some reason they don't, you're still not going to read that book. And you'll take the consequences for whatever comes of not reading that book. Because as your parents, my faith will not allow me to let you read that book. And, and by God's grace, we have a son and a daughter who we believe wholeheartedly love the Lord. And Bradley said, that's okay, Dad. And we said, you know what, Bradley, the kids that are reading that book in your group, I don't know how they're going to respond to you walking away from that group and saying, I'm not reading that book because they're the ones that picked the book. Bradley told them when they picked the book, I don't want to read that book. My parents will not want me reading that book, and I don't want to read it. And they said, well, we're reading it. We said, Bradley, I don't know how they're going to react. I don't know how they'll treat you. Maybe nothing will happen, but maybe it will. But Bradley, this is, this is what living by faith is. This is what having convictions in the Word of God is, and, and that infects everything about our lives, even down to what we read or do not read. What we watch or do not watch. And Bradley, as Christians, there will be times where we may be shamed because of our faith in the gospel, but we will never be ashamed of the gospel, son. But faith. And you say that, that's, that, that may be a little thing, but not to a fifth grader whose all his classmates are reading the book. And he's not reading the book. So coincidentally, by the grace of God, she said, you can pick another book. And he picked Old Yeller. I said, Bradley, you know how that book ends? <laughs> I mean, I remember when Karen reads to him every night and Sarah Grace, they read Where the Red Fern Grows. They were bawling and wailing. It was like paid mourners. And I'm like, Old Yeller ends the same way. You know that, right? But, but, what the point is back is this. What, what ways might we be living on autopilot? What ways might you just be going along with the crowd, floating down the river because that's the way the current's moving? Living by what seems right, living by what produces results versus living by faith. When, Christ, when people see us, do they see Christ being formed in us or do we look exactly like the world? Do, do they? I mean, our kids, our kids are challenging Karen and I. We, we are in the process. We filled out all the paperwork to, to do what many of you have done and be a foster parent. And listen to me, my flesh will give you a hundred reasons on the spot why we shouldn't do that but God gives me very clear commands why we should do that and I'm going to build it on those and Karen and I are going to stake it on those 
Because true and undefiled religion in the sight of our Father is this, to visit widows and orphans in their distress. I'm not saying you have to be like me, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just simply saying we're going to build our life on the Word says. And Monday, I thought about this, Monday I visited Hope Children's Home, and prayerfully we will begin a relationship with, with that home, and spent about two and a half hours taking a tour and just talking with them, and we were walking, and this little girl walked out, and I had to stop, and I just started weeping. And the man said, are you all right? And I said, I don't understand why I was born to Terry and Norma Basham, who loved me, took amazing care of me, gave me everything I wanted and then some. And this little girl didn't have that privilege. She didn't, she didn't do anything, she didn't do anything to deserve that. Grace. You know what the gospel says? The gospel says to go serve those kids. The gospel says true and undefiled religion is what? It's serving kids like that. Why? Because that's what God did for you and I. We were orphaned in our sin, and God died for us. He adopted us. That's Christ being formed in us. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take a whole bunch of stuff. But it's going to be Christ through us, the Spirit through us. And pray for me. I, I, I feel like that would be a, a great opportunity for us to have a great local impact. But it'll take sacrifice. But we'll do it by faith. You, you see there on your handout real quick, John Piper, I, I, I love his books. He has this acronym there. Aptat, and the first one, I think, are these blank on your handout? I can't remember. The first one, the A, is acknowledge. Acknowledge that apart from Christ, I can do nothing of eternal value. That's John 15, 5. We saw that. The P is pray. These are things that he goes back to every single day, prays through these things, and, and, and really evaluates his day and his life. The second is pray. Pray that you'd abound in love. First Thessalonians three twelve. T is trust. That's what we saw today. A is act in obedience. Act on, based on what God's Word says. And T is thank. Thank God for whatever comes in your life. I, I pray that we would evaluate our lives. I, I pray that we would not be a, a body of believers who lives on autopilot. I, I pray that when people look at our lives, they would see Christ being formed in us at every turn, that He would get the glory and not us.